Glad you guys are all here. I'm excited to be able to talk with you guys tonight. My name is Abe. I'm the administrative pastor here. Some of you are probably like, who are you? Like, we never see you do anything, and you're never on stage and stuff, but that is who I am. Uh, my kids the other day said, hey, Dad, what do you actually do? <laughs> and I said, well, hey, older kids, tell them what I do. And they were like, ah, you, do, you run the church kind of stuff? And I'm like, you're close. Um, but I'm excited to be able to share my heart with you guys. This is going to be kind of like a testimony, um, confession, challenge, all wrapped up into one thing. So um, I was, as I was thinking about this, I was just humbled by the fact that I get to speak to all of the men from Sailorville Church in one room at one time and think, what would, what's the one thing that God has laid on my heart to challenge you, to share with you? And he laid two things on my heart right away. I kind of had a list of things that I'm like, well, that would be good, that would be challenging, but there was two things that really came to my mind right away. As I was thinking about this, I was just very thankful um, for what God's doing here at Sailorville. Like, this, this is unbelievably awesome of what God's doing at Sailorville Church. I mean, we think about all the people that have been saved, a lot of you in this room have been saved through the ministry of Sailorville Church. You've been changed, you've been challenged. This church has grown. We've been able to start multiple churches, which is unbelievable. And we're getting ready to start another one in North Ankeny. And I'm thinking, man, this, is, this has got to be, this is just a humbling thought to think that God's using not just the staff, not just the leadership, but he's using you guys to make a difference. He's using your gifts, your personalities, your, your talents to make a difference here at Sailorville Church and through the missionaries, through the church plants, your generosity. I'm just super thankful. I want to say just from, from one of the pastors on staff, I'm just super thankful to be a part of this. This is, this is a really cool opportunity. And... One of the, uh, as we were talking about the, the, the North Ankeny church plant, I've had a couple of people say to me, like, you know, well, what if, what if people, like, leave? I mean, like, what if they go? And I'm thinking, well, that would be awesome. I mean, if God's calling somebody to go, they got to go. Like, we could, we might lose some deacons. And I'm like, our deacons are awesome? But that does not scare me at all because there's 10 qualified guys right behind the 10 qualified guys that we have right now. So I'm not at all concerned about that. And I'm super excited and ecstatic about the engaged leadership pipeline that's coming down the line. That whole idea of developing men and women to do the ministry in the future, to train, to equip, to send out, that's something that just, I can't, I can't tell you enough how much hope and joy and passion that that gives me and gives us as a leadership to, to be able to pour into people and send people out to do the ministry. That, that is very humbling. 
Josh Daggett is the church, uh, he's the lead uh, pastor down at Living Waters Fellowship down on the south side, and I was with him last week, and we were talking, and we were talking about, like, you know, the church and how, how awesome it is, and things are doing great, and God's saving people, and we're starting churches, and money's coming in, and somebody, somebody said to him, you know, like, is, is this it? Like, it, like, is this it? I mean, like, you know, this is, this is great, you know, but what's, like, what's that thing that, you know, and we were talking about the, the leadership pipeline and sending people out and just getting very excited about what God has in store for you guys, what God has in store for the future of Sailorville Church and the Engage Network. And as I think about that, I think, man, there's a lot at risk here. There's a lot at risk to God's people, to God's men, to what the future could be. And this, this stuff's not happening all over the place. What we get to be a part of is super humbling. We have people all the time that come to us and say, do you guys realize what you have? Do you realize the blessing of God that's upon this, this church and, and this network? I'll tell you what, I've been here for over 20 years. I came here in 1996. This is all I know about church ministry. This is it. I've seen nothing but growth, nothing but salvations, nothing but baptisms, nothing but more people, more churches, more people, more like Jesus. I've never seen anything else. But I'm very humbled by it, to be a part of it. And I think it's not just, it's not just Pat Nemers, it's not just Abe Miller, it's not just the leadership, it's you guys. It's, it's this body of believers doing church, ministering to people, and I just can't thank you enough for that. And as I think about that, I think, Abe, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. This is too good. This is too good. Staff guys, don't screw this up. This is too good. Deacons, cell group leaders, guys of Sailorville Church, don't screw this up. That's, that's the stuff that keeps coming to my mind as I think about, man, this is just so cool. Satan would love nothing more than to drive a wedge into what's happening here. He would love nothing more than to take someone down, to take a staff member, a deacon, a cell group leader, anybody, and say, yeah, this is... I'm going to blow this thing up. And by the grace of God, that hasn't happened since I've been here. And I'm just, I'm just very humbled by the fact that, man, Satan wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy me. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So one of the things that, one of the confessions that I want to talk about tonight, and it's something that you kind of, somebody, somebody asked me before I came up here, like, hey, are we talking about sex? I said, well, what else would you expect to talk about with a bunch of guys and, and me speaking? I mean, that's kind of just like what we do. But it is one of those things that we do talk about with men, but not all the time. And it's one of those things that, um, it's kind of like, can we talk about it? Should we talk about it? How should we talk about it? How open should we be about it? And it's kind of the, the one, it's kind of the one sin that nobody really wants to talk about. 
and we talk about everything else, the pride and the anger and the selfishness and all that stuff, but when we really talk about the specifics of what's going on there. So I want to tell you a little bit about my story growing up. I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, great parents, godly parents. Um, I have three older sisters. I'm the youngest of four, and we went to church all the time, went to Awana all the time. Awana uh, was a children's ministry, kind of like our shine ministry, and grew up going to that was involved. We were there all the time, Sunday, Wednesdays, everything. Went on mission trips. One, if you would ask anybody in my church, uh, tell me about Abe. Good guy. Great guy, respectful, loves the Lord, obedient, loves his parents, respectful to his parents. And I would say, yeah, you're pretty much pretty good. But I had, I had the secret sin, uh, my sexual sin, that was my secret. That was the thing that I held on to. That was the thing that outwardly and publicly I looked really good, but inwardly, that was the thing that really challenged me, challenged me and continually was a, I guess, a stress and something that really bothered me um, growing up. But that, that sin, that sexual sin, really became a part of my life in middle school and into high school and even into college. And uh, it's something that I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of different guys, but I've, I've, often, said, I've often said as I've shared my story with people, I've said, I, I can't think of one time where I've prayed to the Lord about um, when I get in a bad place, when I say, man, I, I just... I feel like getting drunk. I feel like gambling. Um, I feel like doing drugs. Like, I'm telling you guys, never. I've never prayed that in my life, ever. It's never been a temptation. It doesn't go there. But when I get stressed and when I get lonely and angry and all those things, my mind goes to sexual things. It's where I go. It's what I do. It's where I have to constantly, constantly keep fighting those temptations and those urges to do those things. And when I was in high school, my dad, my dad um, talked to me and, and talked about the, the, um, the struggle that he had with sexual sin. And, you know, as a high school kid, I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, what are we doing? It was like the most awkward conversation. I was like, kind of like, okay, like are we done yet, you know? And um, I, I just remember that, and I'm thinking, man, my dad, my dad struggles with that? Like, I, I don't know, I just couldn't get my mind wrapped around it. But I, I talked to him a couple years ago, and I said, Dad, I remember when you shared that with me. I said, did you ever struggle with, like, alcohol or drugs or any of that kind of stuff? And he's like, uh-uh, no, none of it. He's like, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a sexual temptation, um, throughout throughout his life. I just talked to him yesterday and he was asking me what I was going to talk about and I was, you know, he prayed for me and stuff and he said, I was talking about this and he said, man, Abe, I'm 74 years old and I still have to protect my heart and my mind and my eyes. I'm 74 and I'm thinking, you're 74. I'm like, that's a, that's a long lifetime battle of walking through that. One, one of the... Um, one of the things that I've really had to deal with as I've, as I've walked through this and, and um, one, one of the sins 
one of the sins was masturbation. That, that was really one of the things that I've had to really struggle with and walk through. Um, and that, that's one of those sins that nobody wants to talk about. I mean, even the word people are like, yeah, just let's not talk about that. Let's not, let's not, let's not go down that road because it's, it's such a personal and, and gross sin and all that stuff, but it, it has been something that I've had to talk with and admit to others as I've, as I've walked through that, but, but the emptiness, the guilt, the shame, the frustration, the pain that goes along with that has been something that God has really had to work on my heart and show me and challenge me, and by the grace of God, he has given me victory in, the, in a lot of those areas. Now, I would be lying if I stood up here or sat up here and said that I don't struggle with that. And actually, I've had times where I've failed. And that, that's hard to admit in front of a bunch of guys. But by the grace of God, he's giving me victory. He's giving me power to overcome those things. Ephesians 5.3, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. There must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. When we think about where we go and what we think about, we need to say not even a hint of sexual immorality. That's improper for God's holy people. But guys, I'm, I'm sure... There's lots of you out there that are struggling with, with this. There's lots of issues. We could go through all the stats of the church and stuff, but I'm just talking from the experience I've had with people here at this church, being a youth pastor. I remember being a youth pastor 10, 15 years ago. Every one of the guys I was talking to was struggling with masturbation and pornography and sexual sin, every, almost every one of them. I mean, it was just a, it's an it's a issue that's going on. Lots of, lots of different men that I've talked to I was just talking to a, a leader um, who deals with college students, and as they hire, not hire, they bring on like leaders, college leaders, student leaders, they have an interview process, and as they go through the interview process, they talk about, one of the questions is, in the last year, have you struggled with masturbation or sexual sin? Yes or no, check the box. And uh, what, do you, what do you think the number was? I heard 100%. The guy said 97, 98% of that, of all the applications of all the Christian men that wanted to sign up to be Christian leaders, check that box. So, it's a, it's a frustration, it's a challenge, it's something that we have to deal with, and in our flesh, we're, we're in big, big trouble. <laughs> we're in big, big trouble. And I, I've, I've tried to wrestle with it in my flesh, and the result has been... Not good. Not good. So I've asked myself a lot of questions. Without questions, there is no learning. If you're not asking questions, you're not getting to the heart of what's really going on. My wife and I have a great marriage. Jesse and I, my wife's great. She's beautiful. I love her. We have a great love life. We, we get along. There's all of, all of everything I can think of as a, of a marriage is great. She follows me, she respects me, she's submissive, she's a helpmate, all of those things. So I've asked myself that question of why, why do I struggle still with, with this? Why is this a temptation? Why is this 
such a, such a battle in my mind. And, I, and I've, I've really, when I've gotten tempted in those areas, I've asked myself, what's going on? What's happening right now? And a lot of times it's been I'm, I've lost control of something or I want to have control of something or I'm, I'm, I'm um, not in a good place. So the, so the, other, so the other day we were, uh, Pastor Nemers and I and Josh Daggett, who I was talking about before, got invited to a, um, a missions kind of roundtable thing. And one of, the, one of the people that were there was Paul Davis, who's the new, the new ABWE missions He's the president of the mission agency, which we have a lot of missionaries that go out with ABWE. And uh, he, was at the, he was at this thing with a bunch of pastors. We were all sitting around eating supper, and, and uh, he was down at one end, and I was down at the other end. And Halfway through the, the meal, he comes down and sits down next to me and this other guy, and we're talking, and I'm like, man, this is the president of ABWE. I'm like, this is pretty cool, you know, and we're talking, and pretty soon it's him and I, and I said, hey, share, share your story with me. So he tells me a story. And at the end of it, I said, hey, what's like the best thing and the worst thing about being a president of a big mission agency? And he says, well, man, the best thing is working with a thousand missionaries and seeing what God's doing through them and using them and how he's using them. And he said, the, the, the stories, the blogs, the emails, the pictures, the Facebook posts, they don't do it justice. He's like, I'm so humbled to be a part of that team. I said, what's the worst thing? He goes, the sin. Dealing with the sin of all of the missionaries and the pornography, it's a major issue. And, I, and I'm like thinking, oh, well, this is my chance to like impress this guy, right? Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you like what God's been showing me. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm talking about this like in a week to the men. I'm like, I'm all excited, you know? And I, and I you know, I'm just been asking myself a lot of questions about, you know, why, why do I go here? What, what's going on in my heart? Like, what am I looking for? And you know, lonely, and, uh, and, he, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm starting to go on, and he goes, yeah, blast. He goes, blast. And I, I'm like, okay. He's like, you've never heard of it? I said, no, I've never heard of it. So he says, he says, these are the things that we're talking about with missionaries. Now, think of the missionaries who are overseas, foreign country, can't, don't, don't, don't know the language, their wife doesn't want to be there. Their kids don't want to be there. They're in a, you know, it's super hot. You just think of these situations. And he's like, we're trying to identify what's happening with guys as they're walking through these situations and what, what it is. And he said, blast. So here's the first thing. When we think about why we're going into these situations, here's the first thing. Bored. Like people are bored, so they don't know what to do. So then their mind starts to wander and they start to go into places they shouldn't be. What do you think the next one is? Let's see if anybody can guess what the next one is. I've heard lazy, nope. Lonely, I think somebody said lonely. Lonely. As he's telling me all this stuff, I'm thinking like, this is, yeah, this is it. Like this is what I'm, this, I can see this in my own life. Angry. What's the S? Stressed. What's the last one? Tired. I think every, every guy in here could say, yep, 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 over and over and over again. 
in response to those, we have to look at the, the, the opposite of that. So if we're bored, we need to be productive. We need to have, we need to have purpose, not just sit around. If we're lonely, we need to get with somebody. We need to talk to a cell group friend or a good friend. Angry, we need to talk about what's, what's making me angry. What, we need to deal with that. Ask for forgiveness or confess that sin. You know, stressed. I mean, you just go down through all those things. Tired, I mean, take a nap. Go to bed earlier. Quit watching the football game and go to bed. I mean, if you're tired, you know, all those things are just they're practical things that we need to uh, remember. But as we think about this whole, this whole concept, this whole idea, I really want you to remember that word because I think this is something that we'll be able to remember as we go throughout the week, as we go throughout our days. When, we're, when they're in those situations, don't put ourselves in those situations. Don't put ourselves in those situations. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 20. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. So why did I start off with the beginning part of this talk to say God's doing something great here because this, guys, and my sin and your sin, and maybe it's not sexual sin. Maybe it's something else that you're struggling with. But this is way bigger than just me. This is way bigger than just your sin and you're just dealing with it. Like this, man, as, as I start to walk, as I start to walk down what this affects and who this affects, my sin, my selfishness, my pride. It affects my family. It affects my wife. It affects my kids. It affects the staff at Sailorville Church. It affects you guys at Sailorville Church. It affects the Engage and Network guys. It affects all of my friends in high school who are on Facebook who follow me. It affects Sadell High School where my kids go to school. Man, this is a big deal. Abe, don't screw this up. We as a church have to be able to talk about this. If we can't talk about it here, I don't know where we're going to talk about it because this is, a, this is something that it's, it's real, it's often, it's consistent, it's all of these things. We have to be able to talk about them. That's the whole point I want to bring it up is I just want guys to talk about it. I want you to talk about it in your cell group. I want you to talk about it with your friends. I want to talk about it with your, your sons. And you dads, confess sin to your sons and say, yeah, yeah, I'm there. I'm having issues. I'm struggling. I've, I have struggled. By God's grace, he's given me victory over those things. We have to be able to talk about this, and we have to be a place that shows grace to people that are struggling. I can be pretty judgmental. Anybody else can be pretty judgmental out there? I can be pretty critical. I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a mindset that says just do the right thing and look really good and nobody will bug you. But we have to be able to be gracious to one another and to love each other through these situations. And God, the other confession that I 
that I, I just want to talk about is the whole idea of grace. We've heard the verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works so anyone can boast. For we are, and then verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. How many of you are perfectionists? Oh, yeah. Only 10. <laughs> How many of you hate to fail? Okay, more hands. We're getting there. How about performance-based? Based everything on your performance. How good am I doing? How good is my job? What am I accomplishing? What am I getting done? What have I done today? Check the list off. Check, 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 check. Check it off. We have this just-do-it mentality. Just get it done. Do it, do it, do it. And we forget the idea of grace. This whole idea of um, this unmerited favor that God has bestowed upon us as sinners is just an amazing thing to think about. One, for salvation. You know, we just read that in Ephesians 2. For by grace are you saved. But then as we live lives, our lives, the grace of God continues to be poured out on us. That's that sanctification process. So a couple of... Um, a couple of years ago, Brad Bigney spoke. He's a, he's a pastor and a counselor. He spoke at the men's retreat. He spoke at the ACBC conference. He was here on a Sunday morning. He spoke, and he wrote a book called Gospel Treason. How many of you have read that book? Anybody? Okay. He wrote a, he wrote a book called Gospel Treason. And I thought, okay, like, do I have to read this book just because we had this guy speak? You know, it's kind of like him hawing around about it. Like, I don't really want to read it. Well, then my wife and I, we'd heard some really good things from it, and we, we said, let's read it together. So Jesse and I read it together, and we were both just really challenged. I mean, it's really going after the idols of your heart. What's going on in your heart? Not just outwardly, not just what everyone thinks is going on, but you know your heart, like asking those tough questions. And uh, so he, he spoke at... Um, the ACBC conference, and I was here, and it's, it's a long time. I mean, you got to sit through hours of speakers and stuff, and it's, you know, it's like lecture, and I'm like, oh, man, like, I don't do well in that at all. Are we done yet, you know? And, well, okay, Brad Bigney, it's his last one. He's going to talk about grace, and he starts talking about grace. Now, I'm a pastor. I mean, this is like a year and a half ago, and I'm a pastor, and I'm thinking, I, I get grace. I mean, I, I understand this. This is fine. I mean, are we done? You know, like, and he's saying some good stuff. And, and, and as he's talking, God's starting to convict me and challenge me and say, hey, do you really understand grace? Do you really get it? Do you really understand what it means to show grace to someone? And here's what he said. I'm going to read to you exactly how he said this in the message. And he says, he said this. It, like, it was like God shot an arrow at my heart and said, that is you. That's you. You don't want to admit it because you're a pastor and you're too proud. You don't want to admit it. But that's you. Here's what he says. He's talking about counseling and someone who's all about the law, all about following the rule, following the, you know, just being the just do it mentality. Here's what he says. Are you guilty of a perfectionist standard for yourself and often for others around you? Are you overly critical and judgmental of yourself and those around you? Are you overly introspective and do you comb over your life with microscopic detail? Are you more focused on your standard than you are on God's standard? Wow. 
And it was like, from that point on, God just really has, has really started to walk through this thing with me of like, a, you're really critical of people. You're just really critical. It's not what I want. It's not what I desire. But that's just what's at my core and that pride and really being more performance-driven, more than grace-driven. What about you? Are you a graceful man filled with grace because of what God did in your life and the grace that was shown to us? We can then be graceful and gracious to others. Romans 6, 7, and 8 are really good. I, obviously, we're not going to go through that, but if, that, if that's you, you know, read Romans 6, 7, and 8. Those are really great. Um, we all have issues that we need to continually be talking about, continually iron sharpening iron, challenging one another, listening to one another, being gracious, and calling each other, not just wallowing in our sin, but calling each other, and showing grace to one another. And I've, I've really had, in the last year, God has really challenged me on this whole idea of grace. Um, My son, uh, Isaac, is 16. We've had quite the year. Lots of, lots of conversations. Lots of uh, challenges. So anyways, he comes, back from, he comes back from Lake Ann this last year, and uh, I could tell God did something in his life. God challenged him, and uh, I could tell something was up, and he's just like, man, I had a great time, and it was really good, and I'm like, okay. And so finally, he comes in and one night and just shares and confesses some things going on in his life, and um, it was... It was powerful. He was weeping in my room and saying, hey, Dad, you know, i got to confess this stuff to you. And the law, the law kicked in, in my mind. Punish him, Abe. Punish him. He deserves it. Take it all away. Take everything. The phone, the car, the Xbox, take it all away. And as you wept in my room, I thought, man, he's broken. He's broken. Phone's not going to do anything. That's just to get your attention. That's just an external thing. The car's not going to do anything. I'm like, Abe, show him, show him grace. Like Jesus showed me grace. 
that was like the funnest thing. That was so fun. It's like, oh man, I want grace to be shown to me. So I need to show it to others. In conclusion, we have too much at stake, men. There's too much much good things happening here for us to continue to live in our sin and to say that it's okay. To say that we we can get by with just nobody will know. Nobody will find out. Don't believe the lie that says, oh, I'm, I'm just this guy. I'm just that guy. I mean, I, I've played that in my own mind. I'm just the admin guy. I'm not going to get up and speak. I'm not that guy. Don't, don't believe that lie. You, you are a child of the king set apart for good works. Gifted specifically to be here at Sailorville Church for this, this period of time, for what God's doing right now, this is who God has on the team right here. That's pretty cool. But we have to band together. We have to challenge each other. We have to encourage each other, and we have to be gracious to one another. Without questions, there is no learning. We have to ask hard questions of ourselves. Why do I do what I do? What's causing this in my heart? what am I longing for? Am I truly repenting or am I just talking about sin? Talk about it. Yep, that was a good message. That was really good. Boy, yeah, we need to be serious about our sin. Yeah, we need to confess that. But actually taking steps and action. I got this. Under, underneath, you guys over here on the, over here, yeah, underneath your seats, there's, there's paper, you'll see that. It's this graphic, guys, so if you can see it. But I want you guys to have this sheet because I want you to take a picture of it with your phone. So if you want to take a picture, nobody will yell at you or anything. Um, I got this from a friend. Just, just the other day we were talking, and um, this is out of 1 John chapter 1, a verse, uh, verses 6 through 10. And um, this was just a really good uh, thing for us to look at as we look at this whole idea of confession, just talking about it. Let me read, let me read 1 John uh, 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. So you can see, you can see the, you've got the different, so if you start up in the top left, you know, the, the person who says, yeah, 
I confess that I got a problem, but just is very apathetic, you know, doesn't do anything with it, doesn't take any action, is just a talker. It's like, yeah, I just confess I've, I've got an issue. But then you've got the one down here on the bottom, you know, you're concealing it, so you're not letting anybody know about it, and you're apathetic, you're just, you're just a faker. You come over here to this side, and you've got someone who's saying, I'm going to conceal it, and I'm going to try to fix it on my own, so I'm just going to fix it. I'll just be that guy. And then you've got this guy up at the top who's confessing sin, but then also taking action and dealing with it. That's, that's where we want to be. That's where we want to be when you look at verse 7 and, and 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. As I was looking at that and thinking about this graph, and that's why I want you to take a picture of it and have it on your phone, because I want to live up in the right box. Stay right. I kept saying to myself, Abe, stay right. Stay right, baby. Stay right. Stay right. Stay right. Keep going there. Keep going there, even though I want to fix it. I want to conceal it. I want to hide it. It's not going to happen. Step one for some of you, maybe, is just to admit you've got a problem. We have a problem. I don't know what it is. Might be pornography, might be drugs, might be anger, food, money, workaholic. But what do, you, what do you run to when this sets in? Where do you go? What do you do? What's at your heart? We have to answer that question. Because that, when we start answering those questions, it gets to the heart of who we really are. Confess and repent of your sin. Take action. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. James 5, 16 says, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So some of you, this last summer, were at a, we had a men's breakfast here, and Lucas Bear, who's a missionary to Brazil, he was on staff here, he actually shared there with um, Corey Pearson, also as well, who was a deacon, two great testimonies, very humble and transparent. And as Lucas, as Lucas was talking, and he was talking about confession, he was talking about confessing to his wife, that was kind of the gist of his talk. And as he was talking, I thought, there's something in my past that I didn't want to tell my wife that I was, I just, I'm like, I've confessed it, I've kind of talked about it in a roundabout way, it's not that, you know, it's not that big of an issue, and we can, we'll be okay, and I mean, I'm, I'm going through all of the scenarios, like God's still blessing, I mean, like, you know, you just, and um, nobody will know, it's like not that big of a deal, and 
But man, as Lucas was sharing and, and God had been working on me, it was just like, Abe, you have, you have to deal with it. You have to talk about it. You have to seek forgiveness and repentance. You cannot continue to live in this place. You have to deal with it. That was all, that whole, that whole thing was all at the same time that my son came home from camp and confessed his sin to me. That was all happening at the same time. And I was, I was processing it in my brain of like, how am I going to do this? Like, we're dealing with, with this stuff over here and, and then I got to tell her this? Like, this is not going to be good. But I, I'm thinking I got to be up here. I got to be up there. So we were on a family vacation, and I got in a rowboat because we were on a lake, and I got in a rowboat, and Jesse, my wife, jumped in and was like, hey, I'll go with you. And I'm like, okay, great. And we're out on the rowboat, and it's just her and I. And I'm thinking, and God said, Abe, this is your moment. This is your time to tell her. And I looked her in the eye, and I said, hey, I'm, I need to tell you this. And I went on to explain to her. And she said, I forgive you. There's no better feeling. I shouldn't say feeling. I don't know what the right word is. Feeling, I guess, is what I'm going to say. Of peace and joy when you're being obedient and following Christ. There's nothing better. We can all sit here and give testimony of said. We've, we've tried to chase women. We've tried to chase money. We've tried to chase fame. We've tried to chase the job. We've tried to fa- chase all of this stuff. And at the end of the day, Jesus is better. He's just better. Obedience and confession and repentance is just better. And we have to believe that. And there's some of you that, that are just sitting there going, I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk to my wife. I don't want to tell my cell group. That's just pride. And we need to pray to that end. And we need to get people to pray for you on that end. But our hope is in Christ. And his name is way bigger deal than my name. And this, what's happening here is way bigger than our pride and our name we need to be able to step out in faith and deal with these things and show grace to one another. I loved uh, the verse we just talked about last week, I think, in Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, beloved, as you have always obeyed, so not, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And I want to read one last passage and then we'll be done. Colossians 1, 10 through 14. Just listen to this. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, 
being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Here it is. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That, we need to constantly keep going back to the gospel. We need to constantly remember what Christ did for us on that cross. If you know Christ, you are a new creation in Christ. The old things have gone away. Behold, all things have become new. But we have to, we have to keep fighting sin. We have to keep confessing sin and repenting because of what God has for us in the future is too big of a deal to play games with. Let's pray. Lord, we're just thankful for your grace. Thankful for your patience with us. And Lord, we are so humbled to be here, to be at this church at this time. Man, Lord, we know this is your church. We just get to be a part of it. But Lord, we want to be pure, godly, humble, repenting men as we lead, as we lead our friends, as we lead our families, as we lead at jobs. I think of that uh, prayer that Pastor shared just a couple weeks ago. Lord, we need you. We need you. We can't do this on our own. We are so weak. We are so weak in our flesh. We are so weak in our natural man. But Lord, you've given us hope in Christ. We are more than conquerors if we know you. You have given us a way of escape. We've got to bank on that, Lord. We have to remember that. Thankful for each one of these guys. Thankful that they're here. It's not a mistake. You have, you have a perfect plan. And Lord, we, may we be godly men who look more like Jesus. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.